The Tech Qualified Podcast is dedicated to providing B2B technology marketers with access to real-world case studies and best practices. We interview industry leaders to uncover what's working in the world of B2B technology marketing. If you're wondering how you can position your technology company as the choice in the marketplace, then follow along as we go on this journey together. Hello and welcome to another episode of Tech Qualified. I'm Justin Brown and this episode of Tech Qualified is brought to you by Motion, a marketing agency that focuses on the strategy and development of thought leadership programs for B2B tech companies. Today, our guest is Lindsay Duran, the CMO at Zillion. Lindsay, thanks for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. And to give our audience a little bit of background on yourself, can you tell us a little bit about your past experience and then what you're up to now at Zillion? Sure. So I really started my career in the high-tech world and semiconductor equipment manufacturing as a writer and focusing on employee and executive communications and local public relations and government affairs and found my way into product marketing and management consulting at some point in about eight and a half years ago landed at Zillient and in a marketing role and spent several years doing everything from product marketing to uh, corporate communications and branding to demand gen and decided to try my hand at sales for a few years, which was something that was definitely outside of my comfort zone. Uh, at Zillient, our sales cycles are, are quite long and very complicated sales and So to step into that role seemed a little bit unusual, but I very much enjoyed it. And after about three and a half years in a sales role and and doing well in that position, they asked if I would become the CMO at Zillient. And that was about a year ago, almost to the date. And so I've been in that role for the past year and really enjoyed getting back into marketing. And for those who aren't aware, do you mind talking a little bit about Zillion? Tell us a little bit about your ideal customer and how the company helps them. Yeah, absolutely. So Zillion, you can think of us as a data science and software company specifically focused on helping B2B companies with sales and pricing. So we work with a lot of large B2B manufacturing, distribution, equipment rental, services, type companies, and we help them set, manage, optimize, quote, better prices so that they can not only meet their customers' expectations with respect to a fair price, but also meet their revenue or margin objectives using price as a strategic lever. We also help out on the sales side of things where we use artificial intelligence to recommend which customers should be buying additional items from a given supplier, as well as which customers are beginning to churn or stop purchasing from a customer. And so a lot of these businesses that we sell into are very complicated. On the distribution front, they might have tens of thousands of customers, hundreds of thousands of products that they're selling. And so as you might imagine, for any individual sales rep who's managing 40 to to 60 accounts, which is fairly typical in a lot of distribution businesses that trying to know what the right price is under every selling circumstance can be really difficult. And the same thing can be true on the manufacturing side of things. And so really the thought is how do I equip 
salespeople to make the best possible commercial decisions. And we can do that by really diving into a company's data and understanding patterns of spending behavior and making recommendations based on what we see in the data of where the price should be or what additional items a a customer should be buying. Let's start at kind of the beginning of the customer journey. How are you getting people interested? It's interesting you made this move from sales. I know you were in marketing and then sales and then back to marketing now. Are you using an SDR, BDR team to reach out to people? Are people coming to you through organic or what are your ways for getting people to notice Zillion? Sure. It used to be the case that selling pricing software was very much an evangelical sale. A lot of people didn't even know that the space existed or that there was software on the market that could help with that. That has changed pretty significantly over the course of the past, I'd say, three to four years. And the result of that is we have a lot more people that come to us directly to explore our our software solutions and compare those to our competitor's solutions or a consulting firm might be a competitor in some instances, depending on how a company is thinking about tackling pricing. But we do have a business development team. So as my team works through different marketing campaigns, all of those leads come in as MQLs. And then we have a business development team who dispositions those and either marks them as sales accepted lead, or perhaps an MQL came in and we're already engaged with that particular account. As I said, our sales cycles are quite long, so it's not uncommon for much of our marketing campaigns to reach those that might already be speaking with one of our salespeople. And that's a good thing from my perspective, that we're just simply reinforcing the messages and continuing to nurture those accounts as they go through a a longer sales engagement with us. But those BDR folks will follow up and we use a tool called Sales Loft on the business development team. And so we might put them in a cadence have multiple touch points as they follow up to try to set up what we call step zero meetings for our sales directors. And so that's where a a salesperson would get on the phone with the customer and with the prospective customer and try to understand what challenges they have as it relates to pricing and sales and make sure that it's actually a, a company that we're able to help and then move the sales cycle forward from there. Yeah, and let's continue on the sales cycle because it's interesting. I don't usually get somebody who actually, you know, is a, who's a CMO who lived and breathed the sales cycle itself. So what goes into the rest of the customer journey? So somebody either you tap them on the shoulder and they say they're interested or they reach out to you. It sounds like the sales cycle is relatively long. What goes into the rest of that customer journey to get someone from initial interest actually to customer conversion? Yeah, that's a great question. And particularly in our business, it's certainly challenging because pricing at the level at which someone can sign a contract and make a final decision, really, I like to say that everyone owns pricing and no one owns pricing at that level. It often takes an entire executive team or a good portion of the executive team to say, yes, we are comfortable with implementing something that will fundamentally change perhaps how we go about setting prices and will also require a fair amount of 
change for our sales organization, right? If you have a sales team that is used to coming up with the price that they're most comfortable with or that they're used to quoting a 30% margin or a 25% discount to all of a sudden tell them that, well, now here's a window or a deal envelope of prices. Start at this price, try to hit this target price, but don't go below a floor. That is a fundamental shift for businesses. And so getting to a sale and getting someone to become a customer is really a big exercise in change management, right? So companies first need to understand that they are in fact losing money as a function of the way they handle pricing and and sales today. And you really have to do that in a gentle way, right? I always say, don't call their baby ugly. So you have to move them along that path of, I understand that I have a problem and I'm losing this much money. Now explain to me how the solution is going to actually work in my business, right? I believe that you have pricing software that works and can do this, but I need to know how this is going to work in my business. And then how is it going to affect my team? And how are you going to help me through that journey? And ultimately, what results can I expect as a function of that? Most people are more concerned about adoption, sales rep adoption of prices or their team using the prices than they are about whether or not the solution actually works. And they're frankly, right to be concerned about that. I do always tell prospective customers, you're absolutely right. If your sales team doesn't use the prices, then this is a waste of money, right? And they are already thinking that, but it helps to say that out loud. And our customers are very successful in using our prices and and driving real tangible margin and revenue improvements as a function of that because we work with them so closely on adoption and and change management. So to get back to your question, moving a prospective customer down the path to becoming an actual customer is really about taking the time to understand that company's business and showing them and working with them, helping them see how this is actually going to improve their employees' productivity and decision-making and their overall business performance, rather than it being a heavy product pitch. So you really need to show them what's in it for them and kind of help them through that change management journey when they're becoming a customer, as well as after they've become a customer. Now that you are the CMO, what does your interaction with sales look like? Is there a head of sales that you interact with? What does that situation look like? And how do sales and marketing interact in the organization? Sure. The head of sales is my former boss, so I know him quite well. And we really have a a great relationship. And I think that comes from having someone who was on the sales side, really understanding what it means for a lead to be qualified, right? I knew if I got a bad lead that wasn't a qualified opportunity when I was in sales. And so my focus has been, how do I make sure that the leads that come in are highly qualified are the right level in an organization, the right job title in an organization, and the right type of company such that the salesperson can actually be successful. MQLs are worthless unless they convert into meetings. And so my focus has not been on, I don't want to drown the sales team in MQLs. 
I want the MQL to first meeting conversion rate to be as high as we can possibly make it, right? And that's constantly evolving and we're constantly working on improving that. But I think when you have someone in marketing who's not just focused on how do I maximize marketing metrics, that I only feel like I'm successful if our sales team is closing deals and getting meetings with the right people in the right company. Yeah, I think you're hearing that more and more just from different marketing influencers and B2B that revenue is really what is driving marketing success metrics. And I think that it's helping sales and marketing really work together as well. Absolutely. I think the biggest thing, whether you're in sales or marketing, is just remember to be human. It can be very easy to get caught up in what the metrics are and what the conversion rates are. And we forget to put ourselves in the shoes of the prospect that we're trying to message to or talk to or sell to. Or as marketers, we might forget to put ourselves in the shoes of the salesperson on our team who's trying to make their number and, and wants to have more meetings and how do we set them up for success. And I think that's really the key to bridging some of that marketing and sales gap or friction that often exists in a lot of companies. Yeah, absolutely. And moving a little bit to the side, to more on the brand side, can you talk about what you're doing with content, either from a thought leadership standpoint, how you're establishing yourself as an authority in your space? Uh, We had just talked a little bit in our pre-production meeting about your podcast, but do you want to elaborate on your entire content strategy? And then we can hone in on a couple things. Sure. I really think that that companies are looking for, especially in the space that where we do business, are looking for a, a bit of a transformational way to think about how they run their businesses. There's a lot of disruption in B2B at the moment, right? They're following on the heels of B2C and retailers when it comes to e-commerce and beginning to establish more sophisticated e-com presences. They are competing with Amazon business increasingly. There's a lot of disintermediation for distribution. Manufacturers are are constantly facing challenges, especially right now as it relates to volatile costs and inventory shortages. And so there's no shortage of challenges for our customers to overcome, whether it's just pricing or running their business in general. And so I always like to start with them in mind. And a little less than a year ago, we kind of refreshed the the zillion messaging. And the, the key there is we help companies reimagine their approach to pricing and sales. It doesn't need to be the status quo. It doesn't need to be the way that you've always done it. And so all of our content and thought leadership pieces really stem from that. But it stems from that and then gets very specific to different industry verticals very quickly. So the way that we might talk about how to reimagine your approach to pricing to an electrical products distributor is going to be vastly different than how we might talk about that to a specialty chemical manufacturer, right? Those businesses can both use our software and use it very successfully to improve their pricing, But the approach and the way that we go about that is different, and there's a fair amount of nuance in each of those businesses. And so we try to tailor our content as close as we can to speak to each of those industries and the specific challenges that they have and use the language that they use, all under the umbrella of really being 
I'll say thoughtful and pushing the limits of what people thought was possible. I think people would rather be inspired instead of saying, here's a slightly incremental way of improving what it is that you're doing today that is going to feel like a lot of work and a lot of change without really making a meaningful difference. So we're helping companies reimagine how they approach their commercial decisions in the name of our podcast, which I'm a, a rotating host on, is called B2B Reimagined. And talk to me a little bit about that. What led to the creation of the podcast and how are you using it? All credit for that goes to my team. I have someone on my team. Her name is Danielle, who wanted to, to start the podcast as she took over all of our content efforts. And I think her and, and the rest of the team have done a, a really great job. Me and another person are the, the rotating hosts, as I mentioned, and we bring in different experts, sometimes within Zillient. We have a lot of folks that have very deep backgrounds in certain industries and certain practices. For example, I just hosted a, a session with one of our sales engineers who has a long career working in the automotive after market parts industry, right? So he has a lot of deep knowledge in that particular industry. And so I interviewed him about challenges that he sees in that industry, different trends, what companies can do to improve their business processes and, and their pricing and, and sales performance overall. So we interview different people. We often interview our partners. We have a podcast coming out later this week where I'm interviewing the Oracle CPQ team. And, and talking about our partnership with Oracle. So a lot of diversity in, in terms of guests and, and topics, but it's really always focused on practical information about how B2B companies can really improve what it is that, that they're doing today and stay ahead of the competition. And how are you using it from a marketing standpoint? I feel like there's a lot of misconceptions about the value that a podcast brings. And I try to talk to people about this a lot, actually, which is that there are many reasons for it, whether it is the podcast itself, repurposed content, the ability to network with the people that you're talking to. What are some of the ways that you're leveraging the podcast as a marketing tool? Sure. Great question. So we use it as part of our demand gen efforts. And so that goes out in email campaigns. We might be using that through social media posts. We're actually in the next few weeks, we will have a page dedicated to our podcast on our website now that we have enough critical mass of episodes. And the other kind of side benefit of it that I'll say is often if we hire a new employee, it's actually a great training ground for people to listen to and learn about the different industries that we serve. They can glean a lot of really useful insights from just subscribing to that podcast. So I almost think it extends as a bit of an employee training tool at, at times. If we have a, a salesperson that's going to talk to an automotive aftermarket parts company for the very first time, perhaps they listen to that particular podcast and they can glean some useful information for their sales call. But the primary purpose is really for demand gen and for showing thought leadership and showing companies in those spaces that, yes, we understand their space and their business, and we can add some incremental value and maybe bring up some things that they hadn't necessarily thought about that they might need to change in their business. That's awesome. I had never heard that one before. 
talk to people about podcasts a lot and using it as an internal training tool is interesting because when it comes to podcasts, you're getting kind of this unfiltered view into the other person's world, especially you mentioned salespeople using it. On sales calls, people have their guard up and they're not always, I don't want to say honest, but they're not always forthright with every single thing that they're going through because you don't want to always show your cards to every salesperson that you talk to. But on a podcast, if you're bringing on partners, like you said, people in your space, customers, potential customers, what have you, they're coming on and giving this unfiltered view into their world. And that may be the only place place where a new salesperson would get to hear that and hear what these folks are going through. Absolutely. That's fascinating. I've never heard anyone say that before. Okay, cool. So moving on, I am curious. You mentioned that you're using some of the content from the podcast in email campaigns or what have you. How are you using content along that customer journey that we had talked about? It's obviously uh, not just a quick sales cycle. There's a lot that goes into it. How are you using content along the customer journey? Sure. So we produce a lot of different types of content, everything from webinars, especially now that in-person events certainly aren't happening. So we have quite a few webinars and then we make use of the recording for on-demand purposes, including cutting certain portions of that and making more bite-sized snippets of longer presentations. We do a fair amount of long-form white papers in eBooks, as well as infographics and case studies, whether that be a video case study or a written case study, those tend to perform quite well. I think people really enjoy the video content and just seeing what a customer's story is like. In fact, just before the pandemic hit, I was in Europe filming case study videos with multiple customers, which was really great. And all of those are are available on our website as well as our YouTube channel. But we map out campaigns to specific target industry verticals and have a series of content that those folks get that's highly tailored to them. And then as new people in our, our database, we certainly turn those that net new content that we've created into nurture streams. So if you come in after the fact, you'll continue to get that content and, and be marketed to in a highly relevant way. And we certainly push that through email channels, through social media, through through advertising and, and other means. And how long have you been in the, the CMO seat? It's about a year almost to the day. Awesome. Well, congratulations on your first year as CMO. And now a different question for you here. I I always like to see how people's brains work in terms of what their priorities are. What did marketing look like when you first took that CMO role? And how has it changed to now? Sure. It looked pretty different. And I think the biggest shift is that I really tried to bring the perspective of sales, as well as a deep knowledge of who our customers are, who our prospective customers are, and what their challenges are. I don't believe that marketers can be successful if they don't deeply understand the challenges that prospective customers are facing and what the benefits are of solving those challenges. And so my biggest focus was making sure that all of the content that we were producing was 
highly credible and highly relevant in the eyes of our prospects and, and customers. And having been through so many sales cycles and spent so much time with prospective customers, that gave me a unique ability to do that. And so I spent a lot of time with our marketing team and we've had some shifts in personnel, but I spent a lot of time with the marketing team that we have now making sure that they really deeply understood how it was that we added value across all of the different types of companies that we serve. And I think that shows up in the content that you see on our website and the content that you see published because they've really internalized that. And so we're always speaking to companies with their challenges and their language in mind. So that's one of the key things. The other piece was around just lead quality in general. So I very early on told the team, I'm okay if the number of MQLs goes down as long as the number of meetings that our sales team gets go up. And so that's been my primary focus. We also did a significant amount of work on the the product marketing front. We have a fantastic product management and engineering team, and they are constantly releasing net new features and capabilities that our existing customers benefit from. And I really wanted to make sure that not only our entire organization was well aware of those features and how they enable and and help our customers, but that our existing customers were taking full advantage of those features. And so we've done a a lot of work on product marketing and a go-to-market process that I think accomplishes those goals. And one more on kind of this note, what would be a piece of advice that you would give yourself that from now to when you first started that year ago, something you picked up along the way that you wish you could impart to yourself when you first started as CMO? Oh gosh, that's a tough question. I think that the biggest piece of advice is don't lose touch with customers and and prospects. Make sure that you stay as close to the customer and engaged in sales activity and, and customer activity as you possibly can. It's very easy to get wrapped up in all of the day-to-day marketing campaign execution and to not make the time to go have a conversation with a customer or sit through a sales meeting or participate in a sales cycle. And I think not losing touch is the key to making sure that what you're doing is still relevant in the market. And we're coming up on our time here. So just a couple of questions before I let you go. Other than your B2B podcast, what are some of your favorite resources or what is your favorite resource to stay up to speed on B2B marketing? Sure. I spend a a lot of time reading things like the, the Harvard Business Review, but more importantly, I read more about the customers that we serve. I find that Marketing tactics are are always evolving, and I have a team of folks that are often staying up to date on that, but I find that I can stay the the most, I'll say, relevant and effective if I'm just simply paying attention to what's going on in the industry overall. So a little bit less on the marketing tactics side of things and a little bit more focus on the customer, and I think everything else tends to fall into place. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's all a machine that works together. And I think that's where it starts. So there you have it. I'll update the show notes with some of those resources. And lastly here, where can people go to learn more about you and to learn about Zillion? Sure. You can visit uh, zillion.com. You can also find me on LinkedIn. I'm often sharing news and information and a lot of our content. So you're welcome to follow me on LinkedIn as well. 
All right. Well, there you have it. Lindsay, thanks so much for joining me today. It was great having you on Tech Qualified. Thank you very much. And for our listeners, thanks for joining us on this episode of Tech Qualified. If you're looking to generate engaging conversations with your ideal customer profile, while also positioning your tech as a choice in the marketplace, then access Motion's ultimate thought leadership course for B2B tech companies. The online course provides a complete step-by-step process required to establish a thought leadership program using a podcast or video series. Get free immediate access today by visiting motionagency.io slash access.